Podcast. I am your host, Chris Patrick. It is September 29th, 2023. We're cutting this month's recording real close to the deadline, but I'll be sure to have this out for you Saturday the 30th. Uh, we are in the Santan Valley studios here for Valley Sports Plug, watching the Diamondbacks game, recording this podcast. And with me, of course, are my co-hosts. First, we have the captain of cool, Mr. Michael Benjamin. 21, 21, 21, 21. 21, can you do something for me? Hey. <laughs> you love it, Tolman. It's my favorite. You gotta love it. And that brings me to my next co-host here. Oh God, the undeniable VSP Tallman. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't come up with the Oh, man. I was waiting for something, like, really disrespectful. I should have been something about your success with the Tallman ticket hey, or lack hey, thereof. All right. we, let, can we wait a little bit to talk about that? My goodness. Yeah. Yeah, we can. And maybe, maybe we can do the Tallman ticket, like, while we're on the pod here. Because then it'll be oh. out tomorrow, which is Saturday. And mm-hmm. then we can, you know, Yeah. We've done it before. Um, well then, shit, I gotta start look- yeah. <laughs> looking at stuff. We just got back from our trip to Pittsburgh for my bachelor party. Uh, thank you guys so much for uh, going out there with me. Did you guys have fun? Oh, hell yeah, man. Oh, it was incredible. It's the Steelers Stadium, what's it called? A- Accusure Stadium, formerly known as Heinz Field. Yeah, sounds like all, some it'll, facial cream. We, we talked about that, though. Like It'll always be Heinz Field, just like Bank like Chase Field will always be Bank One Ballpark. Yeah, it's been Chase Field for a while. <laughs> it has, and I mean, I'm comfortable. Like We definitely, like especially on here and like when we're doing pods and stuff, I'll definitely re- refer to it as Chase Field, and it's that is how I know it, but Bank One Ballpark still has a, a special place in my, in my heart. Yeah, but going back to... Well. The trip, man. It, it was yeah. crazy going into a different football stadium, let alone the Steelers, which, I mean, I know we have we have mixed feelings about the Steelers. Um, preferably on this side of the table with uh, myself and uh, Michael Benjamin. But walking, t- walking into a stadium where you have such a loyal fan base, and it didn't matter that the offense didn't have a single snap in the red zone. And <laughs> I mean, it, it didn't. It didn't matter. Like everyone was out there. You didn't see people selling their tickets. You didn't see Browns fans taking over the stadium. The place was absolutely electric, and makes you makes you jealous as a sports fan when uh, we're sitting in Arizona and and we we don't really have that same experience here. That was definitely the same thought when I had. I was jealous at the end of the day, right? Absolutely. A little bit oh, of jealousy definitely crept into my head because there was still a decent Cleveland Brown fan presence there, oh, right, yeah. guys? Yeah. Like I saw plenty of. Nick yeah, Chubb it, jerseys, plenty of... It was I e- saw a Colt McCoy jersey at one Did point. Did you really? But it was easily like 85-15. Right? 100%. Like, yep. it, it wasn't like 50-50. It was a healthy ratio. Yeah. 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 It was, yeah, yeah. It was norm, a normal ratio. Well, right. even with the Browns, like, it's Browns makes a little more sense because it's pretty close proximity to Pittsburgh. It's like a five-hour drive, probably a 30-minute flight, 45-minute flight. It's like us going to California or... or Colorado or yeah, something like that. It's a division game too. And a division yeah. game, exactly. So was, there was expected to be some Browns fans there. I wasn't surprised like it wasn't a complete black and gold out or, or anything like that. But it was just a great way to end the trip. We did that on Monday night, left on Tuesday. Uh we even got to catch a Pirates game while we were out there. I do I want I want to get into the trip a little bit more in depth and and chat with you guys about that cuz it really was a great time. Pittsburgh's a great city. Uh, but I am glad to be home, man, and so much is happening here in the West and in Phoenix in particular. The Suns make 
making some moves. We got some big news this week. DeAndre Ayton has been traded to the Portland Trailblazers. Damian Lillard's heading to Milwaukee to play with Giannis and the Bucks. And then in Arizona, we get Yusuf Nurkic, Nazir Little, Keon Johnson, um, and I think that's it. And we're expected to waive Keon Johnson, but definitely going to have to chat about that and the implications it's going to have for the upcoming Sun season. Uh, Diamondbacks are in the hunt for a wild card spot right now. Like I mentioned, we're watching their third to last game of the season against the Astros. They're starting that series here tonight. And then uh, tomorrow, uh, we'll be heading out to that game. Uh, Justin Verlander on the mound. I think Merrill Kelly probably on the mound if if the rotation is still. If we don't win tonight. If we don't win tonight. You think he's pitching tomorrow. If, they'll if probably we win, like a bullpen Yeah, then we clinch. Something. We're going we're gonna to reset the rotation. He'll get pulled. He's not going to start. So then... We can go just sit sit in the stands and have fun, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so these guys are, I, and I think I agree with these guys, what they were saying uh, before we started, like kind of selfishly, we kind of hope they don't win. Don't Is that bad? Don't, that. don't I feel like it's kind of bad, but at the same time, I just well, hey, would I, love to be there. Like I was saying, to see those guys jump in the pool, man. Yeah. Get a playoff spot I had for the first tickets time for in tonight, six too, man. I had tickets. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, if you were, that's if you were ready story. and willing to mix everything after the game, and get it all out, Tom, and like we would have went tonight for sure. No, <laughs> just, just, we, uh, we can't even teach Tallman how to access our TikTok, let alone oh, mix down a pod. I, okay, I all right. The dirty laundry all is right. flowing from Chris it Heath. Out. It's coming over from last <laughs> night, unfortunately. You guys are mean. Yeah, and uh, anyone who's listening back, uh, we did talk about a lot of this on our live stream last night. It was uh, Michael Benjamin and I doing a Valley Sports Plug roundtable. We had Nico join us. He's a great guest, a great Valley Sports fan, and has a lot of knowledge and, and insight on the sports teams. Yeah, and shout out for Nico for coming on because he definitely has a different perspective for what exactly happened, too, because... You know, he's lived in Oregon, Oregon and has been a Portland fan, you know, almost the past decade. He was a Portland Trailblazers season ticket holder. You know, he was even talking about how he was there for when Nasir Little was drafted and his mm-hmm. rookie season. So a guy who gets to truly experience multiple facets of a trade like that, you want to tap into them and see how they're feeling on both fronts, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. His perspective was definitely great to have on there. So go check it out. Uh, all of our uh, live streams are available for playback on YouTube. And most of them make it up onto uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those streaming services. So you guys always have plenty of content coming out from us. We get you at least something every week, whether it's a recap or a live stream. Sometimes we try and get two. Two out is usually our goal, but sometimes it just doesn't fall into the schedule, as you know, as we kind of live this life. But anyway, plenty to talk about, so I don't want to get too far off topic. Uh, like I mentioned, Suns wildcard race, and then I think we'll also probably talk about the Arizona Cardinals a little bit. They uh, have started their season since the last time we recorded our podcast. We did our season predictions, and I think uh, standings-wise, you guys are still on pace. Mm-hmm. Um, one and one and two uh, here before we head uh, over to San Fran to play the 49ers this week. And I, I had us 0-3, so they are exceeding my expectations so far, but still plenty of season left and uh, quite a bit to talk about there And as we all await Kyler Murray's return. But... Guys, I want to take it back to the top here. Um, we did talk about Pittsburgh a little bit, but I just want to kind of reminisce on that trip a little bit and share with the audience here kind of what the experience was like. Um, obviously, we've kind of leaned more heavy on the two sports experiences we had out there, and that Saturday going to the Pirates play the Yankees. Uh, it was the last game of that series, and the uh, the Yankees, excuse me, had won 
the prior two, and so they were going for the sweep. But David Bednar and the Pirates were able to close the door on that. Um, and that was a pretty cool environment, too. I mean, for a baseball team that is not going to be in the playoffs, doesn't really have much going for it, the fans still seem pretty engaged, still coming out and showing out. I know it was a Saturday game, but I thought even that was a pretty cool environment. I got into that one. And Ian, um, again, a guy who joins us on our roundtables, he's a Yankees fan. So it was, it was cool to kind of have him see his uh, Yankees, but also kind of rub it in his face a little bit that the the Pirates got that win. We always know that the Yankees fans travel, right? They're countrywide. We understand that. But, man, there's just something different about that kind of a sports city that truly rides or dies. And it, it, let's be honest, are there truly any transplants that are moving to Pittsburgh on, on a year-by-year basis? Uh, no, probably not. No. So most of those fans are tried and true and have been there and have grown roots there. So they're going to roll with the Pirates and especially the Steelers as well. But man, it, that stadium itself is just a sight to behold. It doesn't matter where you sit. That skyline that sits behind outfield it's just so pretty. And we we went. It, it was a rain delay to start. Um, I don't think they ended up changing the game time start, right? They just had the tarp out when we got yeah, there. Yeah, no, a it got bit started, early. I think, maybe 10, 15 minutes past when it was initially scheduled for. But it wasn't, no, it, it cleared up pretty quick. So, so this, the sky was gloomy to start. It was beautiful, nice and chilly to start. And then the sun came out, oh. and I had to go get a hat because I would have <laughs> burned the hell out of my head. That's for damn sure. But hey, what do we know? Shout outs to Miguel Andujar, man, hey, with that big home hearts. run. Uh, it's just always cool to experience different fan bases in different sports cities. And it's something that I, you know, we've had conversations here about something that we want to continue moving forward. And I think one of the other places that I'd love to make sure is on that list moving forward as well at some point is the city of Chicago, which is where we had a layover, right? Yeah. Got to yep. go check out a Cubs game, man. Got to check out a Bears game. For, for my selfish reasons, I would like to go see the Chicago Bulls as well. But, I mean, man, that's just something that if you have the means to do, you got to go outside of your realm and start experiencing these different ballparks, stadiums, arenas, and all that kind of stuff. Because it really just brings a breath, a breath of fresh air to your own fandom. And, man, is it just exciting to dive in it without... Picking a side, basically, right? Because be like a neutral fan. Selfish. Those, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, selfishly for me and Tallman, we didn't care. I mean, you know, correct me no, if I'm yeah. wrong. Like, not, we don't care really. if the Pirates or the Yankees win. I don't care if there the Browns and the Steelers would have won. <laughs> well, yeah, Tallman ticket, baby. But yeah, that's right. You know, that, that's sometimes as a sports enthusiast, one of the best ways to experience an event as well is just to be non-biased and enjoy the competition itself. Yeah, no, that's well said, honestly. Like, uh, you really nailed it there. Like, getting to experience different ballparks, different arenas, it's, like, definitely sparked a desire in me to go and do that more. And you, like you said, we've discussed it. So hopefully in the in the near future, we'll continue to do that. You mentioned Chicago. I mean, I'd love to go to Denver and similarly, you know, check out a Broncos game, maybe a Rockies game, Nuggets. I know you and I are definitely probably more akin to wanting to see the NBA games. And T- Tallman will come along. I know, I know he's going to get into it a little more. Oh, I love myself a basketball game. Don't get me wrong here. <laughs> if it's the sweet level tickets where yeah, you can yeah, get right? all the free food, Ooh, but I'm with you there too. I don't, I don't know what the uh, sports betting uh, laws are like in Denver I or think in it's, Colorado. It's legal. It's legal. Yeah, very nice. I'm pretty sure it's legal. I mean, everything's legal. Come yeah, on. yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. 
<laughs> shit, man. I'll go to Detroit and watch Monty Williams coach the Detroit Pistons uh, while they win I wouldn't, 15 I wouldn't games. Far. You know what I'm saying? You won't Maybe. catch me in Detroit. But I think, man, just absolutely different culture. I think one of the other big things that we were talking about is like, man, I love paying $5 for a beer. Oh, <laughs> Everywhere yeah, you go, man. Yeah. That was so big time. But as far as the sport, as far as the sporting events goes, the biggest moment for me was when they played sticks in the fourth quarter, and Cleveland is in their own red zone on what, like the five yard line, and the next play, the Steelers got that strip sack, and T.J. Watt got the recovery yeah. for them to go up in the fourth quarter, and they never relinquished. Like that's almost a kind of bone chilling moment. Right, if especially if you're a fan of that team, for something that is so deep rooted within their culture, which is I know it's something that they do every fourth quarter, right, to get the juices flowing, yeah, yep. and to be in that close of a game on Monday Night Football, and then to make the play of the game, there was no way that the Steelers were going to lose after that. Like it was just something that was different I had never experienced before. Man, it was wild. No, go ahead, Tom. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, like I already described it, it was, it was electric in there. It was incredible. And uh, there's something about open-air stadiums, man. We don't get that in Arizona, but being able to sit there like in PNC Park at, I'm going to call it Heinz Field, um, <laughs> instead of the, the facial cream name, uh, but just the open-air, that you know that East Coast-type vibe where it's like, hey, this – this sport's supposed to be played outside. I mean, that was, I, I don't know. That's nice. I mean, I guess you can get that at ASU stadium, but it was, it was incredible seeing, experiencing that. And I'm with you guys. We gotta, we gotta try it out, but wow. Yeah. What a game when their only, uh, their only touchdown was what a 60 yard pass to Pickens. Well, and disclaimer, Tallman and I are not <laughs> defunct Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Like let's, let's get it straight. As much as Chris wants us to go and, and, have that on our moniker and put it on our jackets. Yeah, no, no. And I was kind of rude. That's not where we're at, right? I was kind of rude for the Browns a little bit until, for for money reasons, until Nick <laughs> Chubb got folded like a lawn chair. Um, I hope he's, hope he has a His speedy leg recovery. His like a lawn but, chair. Um, I think it was only MCL. So Yeah, he only had one tear, which is good. Wow, good that's for him. incredible. Because yeah. that was ugly. Yeah. So he's was... going to play again. But, I mean, we watched that live. I mean, that I didn't think at the time, in, in real time, I didn't think it was going to be as vicious as it was and then the the replay is just rough but good times yeah no it was it was a lot of fun and there's i can't you know say enough how incredible the environment was uh, i mean these guys were even getting into it as as neutral fans just like the environment encaptured them and rallied them to get into it and uh we were there with a couple other buddies ben miller who also again another name drop guy who appears on our roundtables from time to time and uh, AZ Chris, who was in our fantasy draft, uh, he was there. And they were all, everyone with the exception of Tallman was waving a terrible towel at one point in the in the, the ball game. And that thing is just like incredible to me because like I grew up a Steelers fan. You guys all know the story. Uh, and I have, I've had several terrible towels and we would wave them in the living room watching the game and even with the family and everything. But being in a stadium full of people just waving those towels, screaming their their absolute fucking heads off, like, 
like you said, Mike, like when they, they played sticks and they got that turnover and the towels are waving and everyone's going crazy, it's absolutely incredible. And and again, to, uh, to tie that in also with what you're saying, Tom, in the open air stadium, it's a night game. I'm wearing a hoodie in September. Man. Different. <laughs> different. Dude, I can't believe you sold out Mike on the terrible towel thing. That's fine. I did it yesterday. Uh, I'm old enough. Yesterday. I know where oh, my allegiance okay. is. Yeah, lie, you're so it's, it, all right. okay. you can't bring me down. Bring it all, baby. I don't give a shit. Oh, yeah. Man. And I mean, right. a li- if anyone's listening, you know, a little background, we had tried to see about going to the Steelers-Cardinals game that was going to be in Pittsburgh, and that's what kind of spawned the whole thought process behind going out there, but uh, we we were doing it under the guise of my bachelor party to, to do it, and uh, I'm getting married in November, and when the schedules finally came out, the Steelers are playing the Cardinals in Pittsburgh in December, so the timing just didn't quite work out. Um, believe me, I would love to go back out there in December and watch Ooh, that game. That would be a cold one. That would. Oh, I was literally I, at some point in the game. I turned to Mike and I was like, "Man, imagine like a game in like December here." Dude, it's, it like, probably snowing. would be snowing if it was our luck. Man, I'd have oh. to wear a damn parka. <laughs> it would be snowing. I mean, the weather there was was pretty pretty insane. But yeah, the the sports experiences were great. I mean, Talman, what was your your favorite moment of either the Steelers or the Pirates game while we were out there? Oh man. So you mean when uh, Nick Chubb got hurt? No, I'm just kidding. oh <laughs> no. when no. the cart when the cart rolled when the cart was the when the cart was coming. No, that's I I take that back. Was I'm it sorry. all the drunk fans and the dude standing in our way for the first half of the first quarter? <laughs> Where you're like, hey, you got a seat? <laughs> and his friends yeah. behind what? us were like what? yelling at him, like Willie, come <laughs> oh, up man. here, come up here, and he wouldn't boot. Like he that. he must have been three sheets to the wind because he'd look back at him and like almost like smile and wave. And then finally, the lady walked down and was like, "Get your ass up here! What are you doing?" It's like, great. "Thank you," because I didn't want to have to say anything. Oh no, yeah, yeah. It's either the the arms on Duhar home run or <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. arms, yeah, or it's, it's got to be that that big touchdown from Pickens. Yeah, oh, the Pickens, that, that was, that the Pickens was touchdown was cool because he was running right into the end zone. Yeah, yeah, but also the at. TJ Watt. Uh, that was on the other side of the field, right? No, that was, no, the that same was on side. our side. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Shit, maybe I was three. So we got all the action, man. We were blessed. Maybe you were only two sheets. Maybe one and a half. One and a half. Maybe a drier sheet. <laughs> All right, we, we we're going a little long on this uh, Pittsburgh well, topic. Hold on, yeah, is this a thing? Pittsburgh podcast? No, I have few, I have like one or two more things. But oh, yeah, you do? Yeah, okay, yeah. then keep rolling. Keep rolling. We'll we'll make it quick. We'll make it quick because I just like you mentioned like the five dollar beers and like all the restaurants were super affordable. Um, I'll I'll cut brewskis. We don't got to talk about brewskis. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Just if you're ever in Pittsburgh on the South Side Flat, go check out brewskis. You know Bring that cash. Max spent a night or two there. Come on, Bring now. cash. I hope he did. That would be tight. Hundred percent, he did. Yeah, it was cool listening listening to Mac Miller in Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, Wiz Khalifa, Black and Yellow, playing a lot while we were out there. But guys, another big staple in Pittsburgh is Pramani sandwiches. We went there. We got the pleasure of going there a couple times. Uh, the second sandwich I got was a lot better than the first, but they were both really good. Like Mike, what did you think of that? Yeah, stellar. I mean, that's a inner fat boy's dream right there, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thankfully, I I lost a couple pounds before I went there because yeah, I, I had my way with those sandwiches, the French fries and the coleslaw on top. I know we had a couple of defactors who didn't follow the proper protocol in regard to getting a sandwich. If you're gonna go there, you have to get 
the fries and the slaw on it's it. It's okay if you don't like coleslaw. Up. You don't have to get coleslaw if you don't. It's like just one of those places. You're not. I, yeah. I, you don't. You don't. That's fuck part with of it. the experience. You're I thought supposed this was America, whole thing. guys. Okay. If I'm gonna pay money, I get to get what I want. Right? Well, they let you do it, but we all thought a little differently about okay, it. And they yeah, definitely. They definitely spit in your sandwich in the back too. They sure like, they this, this son of a bitch doesn't know what's going on. That's all right. They're like one sandwich, no slaw. Hold the spit. <laughs> Man, yeah, that was solid. What do you What do you mean you don't want to talk about brewskis? That's probably a Southside staple, man. Are you kidding? No, it's not. No, it's the <laughs> it hole should in the be. wall. It was on the far right side. It was what all of like twenty steps from the door of our Airbnb. <laughs> twenty six steps. Twenty six counted it steps. We did. You did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is guys for. Hey, but Tallman won seventy bucks on the Buffalo machine. Yeah. Was, I don't want to say it was losing a hundred. I don't want to say it was culture shock. It was a bit of a throwback because they. I don't know if it's a Pennsylvania thing. I don't want to out them or anything. Not, whatever. It don't matter. They. You can smoke inside there. It's it's a dive bar. It's thing. a dive bar. It's a really divey bar. And it was funny because I don't know if you guys noticed, but they had like wood paneling up to like probably four or five feet up. And they had people were able to tag and like write graffiti all oh. over the wood paneling. But above that, where it was all plaster, there was no graffiti on the plaster. Oh. So they must have had a rule where it's like you can tag anything below the, the wood. <laughs> and like so people, I guess, were either respective of it or they're constantly whipping out that uh, tan paint to cover it up. <laughs> But it was really chill. Like it wasn't ever too crowded when we were there. Um, uh, there were some pool tables uh, in questionable condition, um, but still a good time. Uh, we got to take over the jukebox a couple times. I spent probably fifteen dollars requesting songs on the jukebox. Oh God, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> but the, I don't, the, <laughs> yeah, move on. Yeah, no, yeah. So brewskis, that was tight. Um, Tom and I, I know you maybe didn't get the same Permanis experience as, as Mike or I, but the beers in Pittsburgh, did you uh, ever venture out, out aside from Coors Light while you were out there? You had some Yinglings, right? Ooh, you had to have had no, a Yingling. No, I didn't like... You didn't like the yin- no? Yingling? No. That's like a staple on the East Coast. Like, that's a big... I'm trying to remember. Everywhere we went, I had Coors Light. So, like... I didn't have to Maybe I, 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 I should have asked him far, this question, man. Mike. Maybe no, I should have asked, asked you about the one. beers. Had some Yingling. Pretty smooth. Liked it. Had some icy light as well. That's a big. I mean, it's freaking black and yellow coloring, so that's just like a Pittsburgh yeah, staple. Yeah. Uh, I, unfortunately, the first one that I did try, I don't think we had it in the fridge for long enough, and it wasn't cold enough, so I oh, had a yeah. skewed vision on it. But then I had some more. Tasted pretty good, man. Oh, I lied. Um, when T Hill made us drink some Steel City beer. I think that was, that was icy, icy light. light. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Okay. I, so I, I has some icy yeah, he, he made him. Okay. He made him. <laughs> Shout out Tyler. Him. That's right. Get get him involved in the culture. Okay. So I think I one, did have one. One of the other cool things too, which is something that we don't really get to experience here, either than the light rail, was taking the boat to and from games. Oh yeah, that was something that was pretty cool too. Riverboat Ron. Yeah, they had a ferry that <laughs> went from where we were staying on the south side, kind of went around the point uh, in, um, a, I think it's Point State Park. Uh, right there um, and around and drops you off right by the stadiums and like we got to ride that a couple times it's such a quick ride which is funny that they have a bar because like you barely get yeah. if it's busy you barely get a chance to order a drink before you're getting off the boat um, but no that definitely came in handy that was a really cool experience like I, I, I like that we got to ride it during the day for the Pirates game and then we rode it at night coming back from the Steelers game so you got to see the skyline in the day and at night um, and just a really awesome skyline I mean I can't 
emphasize enough how cool PNC Park is. And I think it's probably people would probably say it's one or number one or number two as far as coolest like stadium views. I think Oracle Park is probably the next one as far as when it comes to like an open air good view stadium but fellas again really appreciate you uh going on that trip with me that was a blast uh we did record a cardinals recap uh, live from the the living room of our airbnb there so that was tight uh but let's get into these uh valley sports topics we got big news coming out of the nba the phoenix suns were involved in a three-team trade with the portland trailblazers and the milwaukee bucks Uh, We kind of talked about that a little bit, so I just want to get right into it. Uh, Basically, the bones of it is DeAndre Ayton was traded to the Trailblazers, Damian Lillard was traded to the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Suns receive Nazir Little, Yusuf Nurkic, and Keon Johnson. Um, Yeah, Keon Johnson probably going to get cut. And Grayson Allen. And Grayson Allen. Oh, shit, yeah. Thank you, Mike. Grayson (laughs) Allen. Yeah. So... Tallman, uh, what is your initial like gut reaction to that trade? Since Mike and I kind of talked about it a little bit yesterday, I want to know what you're thinking. Oh, DA. Man, are we ever going to be able to live down that not taking Luka Doncic first overall? But that's that's beside the fact. Imagine if we did take Luka. This would be a completely different team. But, man, I mean, I my first reaction, not super surprised. Um, I mean, it was, it was kind of... Uh, Intriguing to think about, you know, the big four, we'll call them, going into this season with DA as part of the trio and seeing what uh, what Vogel could do. Could he help him improve? You know, who knows, right? But again, going back to that first reaction, not surprised. Um, I, I, I think he didn't want to be here. Um, I think he wanted a bigger role and he couldn't provide what this team needs from him, which is protect the paint and collect rebounds right uh he wants to be a a scorer first and you know the guy that we need second so it it makes sense that he wanted out i mean he's going to portland where you know he's going to be the number one guy number two guy right i mean i guess if they hold on to drew holiday i'm sure they're going to ship drew Drew holiday on to somewhere else i can't imagine that uh, he stays there but he's going to get a way bigger role and then when the season starts 30 games in you're going to have all the Suns fans come out and say, oh, oh my God, it's Mikel Bridges all over again. DA's averaging 26 and 14, 28 and 15. What, what the, the Suns messed up. Well, he doesn't have a role in this team. When you're the fourth guy behind Booker, Durant, and Beal, it's like he, he, he just didn't fit. You know, he, he wasn't, there wasn't a home for him here anymore. So we're going to call it addition by subtraction. Can you say this, uh, is it, What's say his name? Yusuf Nurkic. Yusuf Nurkic. See, I couldn't even fucking say it. it. You'll get used to Um, it. Obviously, uh, Aiden's a better player than him, right? But to get a center at what he's getting paid, 17, 18 million a year, to get a starting center for a lot lower. So we saved a little bit of money, but then you remember our owner doesn't care about money, right? He'll pay whatever he wants. So it was uh, the addition by subtraction. Uh, We got deeper as well which is incredible and i think it was it was it was a good move we got him out of here we we added depth even more depth after a great free agency and i i'm okay with it i think it was a great move he wasn't he didn't have a spot here and it was time for him to move on Paul, oh, i'm in the basketball guy i love it man <laughs> that was honestly what really well spoken why thank you let's take a look real quick at deandre ayton's career stats with the phoenix suns in 5 years he averaged 16.7 points 10.4 rebounds, 
1.6 assists, a block, and he shot 59.7%. Pretty damn good if you look at those stats, right? But DeAndre Ayton was the number one overall pick, right? What I wanted to see was 23 points per game, 12 rebounds, assists, I don't care, one and a half blocks, (laughs) and the field goal percentage was good. Guys, I think what happened with DeAndre Ayton is this is something that stemmed back way longer than what has just happened when Damian Lillard called for a trade from the Portland Trailblazers and the Suns found the instance to finally get rid of DeAndre Ayton. This started when we lost to the Dallas Mavericks in Game 7 at home. And everything between him and Monty Williams started to crumble the foundation for their relationship. Then we come back the next year. And he doesn't play in game six. He quits on the team in game five. And a lot of the players from the the word around town, who knows if it really is true, were very surprised that he didn't play in game six when he had his rib contusion. When it's winner go home, you put it all on the line. And it's something that we always question with from DeAndre Ayton, unfortunately. Now, let's take a step back once again. Let's give our thanks. I'm the guy to do it, right? You guys always know I'm the one who's like, yeah, let's well, let's give him some props. We don't get to the NBA Finals without his two-month performance in 2021, where he really turned it on. He saw what kind of a dominant force he could be. But then he just never got it back. And it was because of all of the other extracurricular nonsense that continued to go on off the court, unfortunately. And it's going to become one of the biggest what-ifs in, obviously, Phoenix Suns history, but maybe Arizona sports history for the potential that he couldn't hit of being the first number one overall pick for the longest tenured franchise in our state. I'm disappointed at the end of the day, but Chris, yeah, I got to pass it over to you because I got to get some more of your thoughts before maybe we can look at some of these other guys, but... I, I want to echo what you said last night, too. I'm, I got mixed emotions, and, and I'm sad to see him go at the end of the day. Yeah, no, it's, it is, it is, I think it's bittersweet for me, for sure, because I wanted to always see DeAndre Ayton be successful and live up to his potential. And the guy that we thought we were getting when we took him number one overall in the draft, and it was a pretty loaded draft. I mean, you're looking at guys like Tallman said of Luka Doncic, but you also have Trey Young. Uh, funny, Marvin Bagley the third was taken with the number two overall pick, um, and I, th- I think I'm forgetting a few names in that draft that turned out to be pretty... Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson Jr., yeah, yep. that's right. Another guy that's been doing really well with Memphis was a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year, or did he win Defensive Player of the Year? Defensive Player of the Year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Jaren then the Jackson other big Jr. one, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And Shea, Shea Gilgis, I think, would, would have been the one that I would have really liked to see, seeing as how he's doing with the Oklahoma City Thunder but it's it's something that we can't sit here and continue to ask ourselves all these what if questions because at the time we had Devin Booker who was a budding superstar at the guard position and we knew we wanted a a big guy to pair with him and at the time if I'm choosing between DeAndre Ayton and Jaron Jackson Jr. it would have to be DeAndre Ayton and I don't know that you know a Doncic book Doncic Booker experiment would work very well. I don't know about Trey Young. These guys are all three of those guys are very ball dominant. And yeah, DA wants the ball, but he's not a ball handler. Uh, I think like you're saying, saying Tallman, he wanted to be the fourth guy, and it, is, it wouldn't be a trio, right? It'd be like a, a quattro. 
a, a quad. Close enough. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, just roll with it. <laughs> yeah. So, and I was excited to see that, though, and especially, Mike, like we talked about last night, like how him and Eric Gordon were playing for the Bohemian National Team in the FIBA League in that tournament this summer. A lot of good reports coming out about him and his time there and how motivated he was and all these I mean all the news is always fluff in the off season right but it just it, it really added to my optimism that oh man maybe he could be a good you know fourth piece third fourth piece on this team especially as guys kind of find their footing and what their role is going to be it seems like Kevin Durant isn't necessarily trying to be the dominant scorer he's been his whole career he's willing to play a role more or less and I think uh, if I had to bet on it, Bradley Beal's probably in a similar situation where, like, if he's not putting up 25 a night, he's not going to be mad about it. If he gets 10-15 and we win, I'm sure he's going to be just fine, where Devin Booker is going to be out there center stage putting up 20 to 30 points every single game, night in and night out. And I think there was room for DeAndre Ayton in there. And that's the difference, though. With the Suns, we're looking at him probably scoring 10 points and you would hope 10 to 15 rebounds a night. But with Portland, him and Scoot Henderson... It's probably going to be him scoring if he's, you know, continuing his trajectory and actually living up to his expectations, which is something we always hoped here for a long time. But I think DeAndre Ayton's looking at uh, 20 and 10 every night in Portland. He's going to end up with what we always wanted from him. Right. Right. Because he's going to have plenty of opportunities. But here's the other thing, right? I love what Tallman talked about with Mikhail Bridges. He goes to New York, continues his great transcendent uh, season, has some crazy outscoring you know, nights where he scores over 45. What happens to the Brooklyn Nets? They barely they barely scrape into the playoffs and then they get yeah. swept by the Philadelphia 76ers. I'd be surprised if the Portland Trailblazers make the playoffs within the next three years, guys. DeAndre Ayton's going to get all these numbers. He's going to finally get what he wanted, but it's going to be in a losing environment. Yeah. And that's what he proved that was more important to him at the start of his career then understanding what the culture we're trying to do is right now is to bring a championship to a franchise that has never won ever in 50 plus years of being in the Valley. We are pulling out all the damn stops to do whatever we can. And if you're not ready to step aboard and fill that role, I don't care if you were a number one pick, you're expendable. And that's what happened with DeAndre Ayton. No matter with the exciting coaching hire Frank Vogel to really pull out the defensive capabilities of DeAndre Ayton, which it would have been amazing and probably would have, if he could have played to his potential just on that end and still averaged 14 points, 10 boards, that's a step up in your career. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you guys, but that could almost make the max money worth what we were going to have to pay for him if you can get a title. And if he can continue that, moving forward but there was just too many too many questions about the motor too many questions about the energy and it started rubbing like this is the big thing about this guys there's no way that the phoenix suns make this trade without the okay from devin booker and kevin durant absolutely a hundred percent you can't look any any person in the face and say that the faces of your franchise were blindsided about this kind of thing you know, like when we were talking about how Chris Paul finds out that he gets a call on his, a flight that he's been <laughs> traded. Yeah. You know who knew about it before Chris Paul? Devin Booker did. Chris, Kevin Durant did. Mm-hmm. Those guys, that's just the NBA now, nowadays. 
if you're a top 20, top 10 player, you're helping build rosters. That's what it comes down to. And he rubbed those guys the wrong way where it was time to go. No matter what we might have been able to get out of them. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, no, it's just, I think you had something to say about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, Mike, you're you're absolutely right. And then you just wanted. It felt like we were just sitting there waiting. When's he going to turn? When he? When is he going to reach his ceiling? When is he going to reach his ceiling? And everyone's going to bring up, well, we we don't get to the finals and and uh, unless we had Da right because Da was incredible on that finals run. But what happened after that finals run? He was never playoff Da right. That he never got back to that same level and like you mentioned the motor just disappeared not playing in the in a game six because you have a you have a, a contusion or, or a bruised chest or something i mean Rib that contusion yeah something that like is that. just ridiculous right side, I, think. I mean everything's on the line why do you think booker walked walked out after that final playoff loss and he didn't talk to anybody he went dead silent you heard nothing from him after that for a good amount of time I mean, he was frustrated. He was fed up. And that comes right back to the fact of, yeah, Devin Booker probably didn't orchestrate it. I don't want to sit here and say the inmates are running the prison. Uh, Devin Booker doesn't uh, cut people, but he definitely plays a huge role into it. You know, they're going to ask him what what he's thinking or, or how, you know, what do you want to see happen? Who, who do you want around? Uh, you know, we're basing this around... Uh, Booker and Durant, so of course they have a huge say in it. Yeah, it's definitely not like the way LeBron James handles. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's like a player right. coach. I mean, yeah, well, it's a different level for sure. With when you're going to talk remember, about LeBron, I remember seeing uh, on a podcast a long while back, probably a couple of years at this point. I don't remember which one, but Kevin Durant was on it, and he was talking about how he wanted to be involved at the highest levels of the decision-making process because he felt like he had earned that as being a star player. And I can't remember. Because, uh, help me out here, Mike, he went from Oklahoma City to Golden State to New York. Those are the only three teams he's played To on. Brooklyn, yep. To yeah. Brooklyn, yeah. Yep. So, I think it was, uh, I can't remember, I think it was, I can't remember for sure, but I think he was saying that he didn't quite have that in Oklahoma City, so that's what kind of really made his decision to go to the Warriors, like, all that more important, and then so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, like, that's all All that's to say, like, I, I think you're absolutely right, Mike. Like, Booker and KD were definitely in that conversation and in that decision-making process for making those moves. Kevin Durant seems really happy here, and I really like the friendship with him and Devin Booker. You see them doing a lot of stuff off the court together. Um, which goes back to what I was talking about with DeAndre Ayton and all this stuff he did in the offseason. I'm pretty sure he was at a couple workouts with those guys as well. And that's what is kind of a little bit heartbreaking about it and like is like, man, what could have been? Um, but that's without having seen what product we're putting out here on the on the floor. Yeah, you say what could have been. I mean, Chris Paul tried. Chris Paul tried. I mean, how many? How much frustration do you think Chris Paul had trying to get through to DeAndre Ayton? I mean, because yeah. Chris Paul's got that reputation. What he's not well liked around the league because he's annoying, right? He's not a dirty player, but he's annoying, right? He does those those flail fouls. It depends he, on who you ask, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, <laughs> but he but he talks a lot of shit, right? So imagine him. How much he was all over Da trying to get a rise out of Da, trying to get get him mad like the water boy, right? <laughs> yeah, water sucks, man. Like, why couldn't Da just slam the ball? Why couldn't he? he could he could never get to that to that level and if anyone was going to get out of him it was Chris Paul Monty Williams gave up he said 
I'm done. You know, and you could tell. I mean, he had well going back to the, oh my god, I haven't talked to my coach in three months. Yeah, or and something. I'm not a fan of the way Monty Williams handled oh, all yeah, that. Yeah, that was kind of ridiculous. It, it was all was handled angry. incorrectly yeah. by every party, and that's why you saw this team take steps back over the past two seasons and unfortunately find a demise in probably two of the worst playoff losses definitely in franchise history but maybe in NBA history too with that ridiculous 30-point blowout against Dallas and then to just absolutely falter and fold away to Denver last season I mean that was always going to be a tough task last year just with the firepower that we had at that point but that's another reason probably why we see the only player that is still on this team from 2021 is Devin, Devin Booker, Booker because you yeah. can't have two playoff exits with some of the worst basketball ever and just think, okay, yeah, we're going to be able to get it. We're going to be able to course correct this time. You know, like it's it, it's been a whole entire culture shock and change similar to what's been happening with the Arizona Cardinals thankfully for Phoenix Suns fans we've been good during that time frame where we're going out of the dark ages of the Cardinals from Cliff Kingsbury winning four games (laughs) but you you add a complete new owner you still have your same GM but then you change coaching staffs completely and you basically change your core new owner even yeah that's yeah matt ispia yeah who's given out freaking free tv rabbit ears for anybody who wants <laughs> Yo, to watch that was games awesome. dude that's gangster yeah, that's isn't so that cool i'm so glad that tv deal went through too and it, that's a great point like the ispia effect and i, I want to have a broader conversation at some point about how sustainable this is all going to be i mean especially as we continue to exceed the salary cap and how short the window is looking but with with t- still talking about this trade and DA going and us now having Yusuf Nurkic, um, Tom, and I know you're not very familiar with Nurkic, and I, I just wanted to ask you because we talked about it a bit last night, um, and Nico brought up a great point that it was better that they'd made this move now before the season started rather than waiting to see what they could get for DeAndre and near the trade deadline. Um, to give these guys a chance to learn how to play together, go through those growing pains of figuring out who's going to have the ball and who's going to play what role. Uh, would you agree with that, that it is better that we did the move now rather than and maybe getting a greater return near the deadline? I know that's all hypothetical. Yeah, I mean, you would have to see DA put up some numbers to get a greater return than that um, through the start of the season. But no, obviously, I mean, you got right now was the perfect timing. I'm, I'm sure you guys probably... That's probably what you said. Right now was was perfect, right? Yeah. Um, so you could build, you could gel together through um, through the preseason and all that. Absolutely. I mean, he didn't want to be here anyway, so get rid of him. That happened. So bring in guys that want to be here, that want to be part of the winning culture, that are going to work towards that same goal of winning the championship. Which, I mean, looking at, at that's what we're going to do. I mean, I I will tell you right now. I I put anyone on paper right now. Obviously, we haven't seen live basketball put our roster against anybody else the depth that we have which what happened last year we had no depth right and then you mentioned uh booker being the only guy from the finals run i mean what we only have six people from last year still on the roster six or seven players right so talk about even a minor roster turnover but i think the timing was was great and honestly i like i said to start i mean i i mean you can't compare nurse nursick Say it again. Nurkic. 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 You'll get it. You can't, you can't compare Nurkic and DA just one-on-one, but, I mean, looking at Nasir Little, I mean, he hasn't proven a lot, but he's a young player, and he's got a lot of upside. 
Uh, he's he's a good rotational player. And then you go to Grease Nallen, the guy that's got a very punchable face, and it's one of those guys <laughs> that that you hate them until they're on your team. Yeah. And the Pat Bev effect. Yeah, there you go. So and I mean the and the guy can drill some some threes. I mean he's he's a good wing. So uh, I think we got exactly what we needed in return to get rid of somebody that didn't want to be here, didn't want to be part of the process, and the timing was perfect because you don't want to run into the same thing where uh, Durant comes in, he only plays what eight regular season games with us. Something Last, like that. Yeah. It was like eight or ten, I I can't remember. I think it was eight because it was he eight, also he got, twisted his ankle got hurt, and was yeah. out for a couple. Yeah, weeks. yeah. Oh, so now we get to be together as a core, and and man, I. I feel for Vogel right now. He's got to work out those rotations, man. I don't know what he's going to do. It's going to be interesting to see, and it's, it's going to be fun to watch too. Yeah, I think hindsight's always going to be twenty twenty in regard to bringing in pieces, right? The best time is probably early off season, right? Because all the time that this extra time that these guys have been spending together, you know, we saw them in Palo Alto or California, and you know, five or six of the guys are all working together in the offseason and gaining that camaraderie before training camp but they did do the best that they could to get these guys in before training camp right because that's when the real work really starts you start to get your offensive sets going a little bit more you flesh out those rotations you're playing fives you're getting all the running done and you're getting really cohesive units working together early um but man i at the end of the day, I am excited for the pieces that they did bring in because it does bolster a little bit more perimeter defense, like we said, with Grayson Allen and Nasir Little. I think he's still the biggest question mark to me, you know, even though he's a fifth-year pro. Uh, never really got over 18 minutes a game, um, but, you know, has shown some flashes from outside. And like we said, Grayson Allen is another lethal outside shooter, 47% from the corners and 40% overall. And then I think the the biggest thing that has rubbed people the wrong way is the the main piece that was brought back was youths of Nurkic, right? Last year, only played 52 games, averaged 13.3 points and 9.1 rebounds, which is three points less than DA and a, a rebound and a half less. But we're not going to have to – we're not going to be asking as much as we would have from DA, especially with the pieces that you already brought in, you know, the high regard for Drew Eubanks, the next steps that Bull Bull has taken, and we'll see if Chemezi Metu gets a chance. Like, this is all by committee for the way that this roster has been built because, like we said last night too, we know some of these guys are going to get hurt. So when you have solid backups like this, you're going to be able to withstand an entire regular season and hopefully have one of those top three seeds so you have home court advantage because that's what this team is going to need. We're going to need that home court advantage. Yeah, no, I think it's important that if we do have the run we expect that we should finish with a high seed. I know I did kind of say last night that as long as we make it into the playoffs with a decent seed that we would have a chance as long as we we're able to get these guys enough games together to kind of flesh out what the rotation is going to look like, who's going to be handling the ball, doing the scoring. I am a little nervous. I know I did kind of allude also to the fact that Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, when they played together last season, kind of ended up doing more ISO ball than team ball. And it kind of worked out in some games and then not so much in, in other situations. Um, I, I, Yusuf Nurkic though, I, I am going to be curious to see, it seems like he will be more committed to playing the role that's expected of 
him than DeAndre Ayton would have been. Uh, he does have similar, um, what is it, criticisms of him about having not necessarily the highest motor, sometimes getting complacent and not necessarily hustling as hard or, or finishing out as strong as he can. But I'll, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, it's without a doubt he'll find himself in the starting rotation at center, uh, which will be aside, aside from Booker, Beal, and Durant. Mike, who would you think at this point would you put in the fifth starting position there? Is it Josh Kogi? Is it um, Bates Diop, uh, Drew Eubanks? You got, and, and that's like, I'm looking at the roster here. It's it's deep. Like We got a lot of guys to choose from, and I think that fifth spot could be something that takes some time to flesh out. Yeah, you got a lot of different interchangeable pieces too. And like we said with these injuries, we're going to see some other guys that we probably wouldn't have thought in that starting lineup start more games than you would have thought they would this season. I think I'm leaning a little bit more towards uh, Bates Diop just with his overall size. Um, I'd love to keep Kevin Durant at the three and play undersized with Bates Diop at the four. And if you roll with Nurkic at the five, you can get those mismatches from Kevin Durant staying at the three and get him a little bit more off ball. Talking defensively too, he can roll down. He has such great length. He can help contest at the rim as well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Josh Okogie because, you know, it's always good to have a strong defensive presence out there who can take the main scorer. You know, mm-hmm. if Stephen Curry comes out, if now Dame comes out with the Bucks, Luka Doncic, you give him those opportunities to guard those guys. But I also think Devin Booker is trying to take that role on this season and really cement himself as a superstar. Like, he wants those challenges. So if that's going to be the case, specifically on the defensive end, then I'd probably roll with Bates Diop just with the size when it comes down to that. Yeah, I think that that's a that's a good one. I could see that. I think it's for me. My money it is between him and uh, Akogi. I've been seeing online. I think people are rooting towards Akogi, uh, but I think it just kind of it might even depend on the matchups any given night. Uh, I mean, especially as they try and figure it out. Uh, Talman, just as as it relates to the roster here, we've mentioned the the incredible depth and kind of what this fifth spot in the rotation will look like. Uh, how deep do you think Frank Vogel will go? on just like a regular night, do you think he'll keep it like a tight eight players or expand out to using like a full 10 or 11 guys on any given night? I bet you we see a full 10. I mean, just starting with the question marks at who that fifth starter is going to be. I mean, they got flexibility. I mean, you have some, you got some good players um, that are sitting on as, okay, you have some good players that are your fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth player on your roster, right? So the flexibility is going to be key for them. I bet you we see a couple different rotations until they've, obviously until the playoffs, um, they're going to tighten it up. Obviously, like that's what you do. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw uh, a 10, 10 player usage. I, I, I mean, I don't. I'm leaning with Mike towards who that fifth probably going to be. I'm thinking Diop. Um, but I bet you we see that change a lot. Uh, not a lot, but I'm sure there'll be a little Kogi mixed in there and. Uh, I bet you we'll see someone else come in. Mike, like along those lines, how much of these guys, like all kind of, I think that might be near the end of the bench, like Bull Bull, Damian Lee, Drew Eubanks, how much of those guys, how much are we really going to see? I think you're going to see more to start the season just because with the high turnover and the amount of new faces that are here 
and you have a brand new head coach, you learn things in practice, yes, but you learn the most during games, right? So guys are going to have to earn the trust of Frank Vogel when it comes down to it. So I'm with Tallman. I think it's going to be a minimum of 10. I think there might be times where we see 12 guys coming off the uh, coming onto the floor for the Phoenix Suns early in this season. Wow. Just starting to see what best rotations go, who is going to take a step up, what best matchups you have. The beautiful thing is that you have a three-headed monster and you never have to have them all of them off at the floor at one time. So it's going to be very strategic in regard to, well, say Booker and Kevin Durant take a seat this time and it's Bradley Beal. Well, who fits well with him? You know, is that when you bring a Jordan Goodwin in to be the point guard, have Beal switch to the two, maybe go a little bit smaller with Grayson Allen at the three, mm-hmm. then Bates Diop and Drew Eubanks. Like that's going to be the fun side of this season for me, just trying to find those rotation pieces that fit well together so I think you're going to see early more guys than you would imagine and then after the play-in tournament or maybe right before things are going to tighten up that's when you're seeing nine man rotations maybe 10 some guys will maybe have gotten out of favor with Frank Vogel and he's done with their (laughs) shit early already you know so I, I would not be surprised to see that happen and I think that's the best part about the game too is early season yeah you want to set a good precedence but you also want to learn what you have and you got to give guys those opportunities in game because there's only so much that you can learn from having guys practice against the same guys every day every week right no yeah no you're absolutely right and and Tom and I'm sorry here I think we're gonna kind of transition here soon but I did have one more question I wanted to ask Mike uh, just because it just popped into my brain, and I think it's really important. Looking at the roster, we talk about, again, the depth and all these names we have and the deep the deep rotations. We're probably going to go 10, 11, 12 men deep. Are you concerned that there's no true point guard on the roster right now? It's always tough, right? But, you know, what's been the big narrative? We're transitioning to um, positionless basketball, right? Uh I think if it's going to be successful, it's going to be with those three guys, right? Yeah. For a starting lineup with Bradley Beal. Because we know, you know, the days of point book where we were scared of him being the facilitator, that was in 2017 when he was super young. We didn't have core pieces around him and we were struggling. Now, you know, you can go interchangeable with Beal and Booker. and, And Booker has proven himself to be an eight plus assist guy night in night out because his vision is that great he's that smart with the basketball and he makes the right decisions on a night in night out basis so I'd be okay with just rolling him at point guard right now to be honest with you switch him to the one have Bradley Beal in the two get him on downhill attacking positions where he loves to do he's also a great shooter as well I'm not too worried when it comes down to that they're they're so incredible on the offensive end those guys single-handedly they're going to be able to figure it out and figure out a system that works the best for them now like we said it's gonna take some time right like anything does any new system does but i honestly not too worried about it to be honest with you i'm not worried about it either i mean da or no da i'm still super excited for this upcoming season and still optimistic even with adding Nurkic and Allen and 
just really curious to see how that's all going to shake out and what these rotations are going to look like. And believe me, fellas, we are going to keep close tabs on that and keep you guys updated with Phoenix Suns recaps uh, every two weeks during the season, as we have with the Diamondbacks this season and with the Arizona Cardinals, we do uh, one weekly because they don't play one week game, one game a week. So we can we can at least do that. Um, but fellas, speaking of the Arizona Diamondbacks, we are uh, sitting here watching their third to last game against the Houston Astros as we record this. They're currently down 2-0 going into the bottom of the eighth. Things aren't looking good, so it's not looking like the D-backs will clinch their wild card spot tonight. Um, and we are going to that game tomorrow. So Justin Verlander on the mound. Uh, Mike, do you like our odds? I like our odds if Merrill Kelly is pitching tomorrow, which it probably looks like unless the Diamondbacks can make a rally. It's funny. You look at these guys, it's like looking in a mirror. Justin Verlander, 12-8 and record this year with a 3.32 ERA. Merrill Kelly, 12-7 and with a 3.38 ERA. There's nothing more that I would want to see than the Arizona Diamondbacks jumping into that damn pool oh. celebrating a playoff birth the first time since what 2017 something like that has it been that long wow yeah whenever we went we went to the game i didn't no 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 when we went to the preseason suns game and then we went to friday front row oh yeah Yeah. so after they because i went to the uh, i went to the wild card game against the rockies the archie bradley infamous double there you go That that was around the same time i'm pretty sure i think it was 2017 i was still uh at the chandler y so Good memories that that would just be so sweet to see them celebrate and be in the building with them after such an up and down season for from at one point being in first place in the NOS to wondering if we were even going to have a chance to sniff a wild card spot to having the magic number be one. And if we can be there and be just feel that energy man that's that's all i want so is it selfish to say that i hope they don't pull this out uh i just i don't think so uh i mean i think it's conf- we're confident that they can at least win one of these next two games and uh better it be the one tomorrow great matchup potentially and then like you're saying like that's going to be a crazy crazy celebration if they can clinch it at home on a saturday night in Chase Field, uh, Tallman, I, I see you're you're kind of struggling to breathe over there. I mean, are you getting excited at the at the prospect of uh, Diamondbacks clinching a playoff spot? Oh yes, very excited. I mean, if you go back and watch some of our recaps of the D-backs, I mean, we were just on this emotional roller coaster, just up and down. It was like, holy shit, we're doing it. Then it was like, I'm gonna bury this team right now and put the nail in the coffin. <laughs> like it, we went through. We went through everything. We should probably go see a therapist. We were like, I don't want season. Brandon fought on the mound ever yeah. again. Yeah, right. It's like, and oh, my God, oh my God, he needs to be the third pitcher yeah, now. It is, it's just yeah. unbelievable the ride that we've been on. And we're at the point now, it's it's playoff or bust. But, you know, because like, if we, don't, if we for some crazy reason, don't make the wild card, then this season has just been an absolute failure. Just going through how we, how we started out the season, first in the division, and then how we rebounded from that awful month span where we just couldn't do anything right but thankfully for us we're coming into to today with a 98 percent chance to make the wild card so it's looking pretty good for us so we pull off one win and we're in uh we have the tiebreaker with the cubs cubs keep losing that's great so we don't even have to worry about that marlins can win out 
they can win out as long as the Reds don't win out. We're we're, we're going to be in there, okay? So we win one. It's going to be tomorrow when we're there watching, and it's it's going to be fun. I I mean, we can't. Merrill Kelly's going to help us pull it off. We're going to get some run support, and we're going to win tomorrow. We're going to book that uh, first playoff berth since 2017, and it was 2017. Wow. That would be absolutely incredible. Do you do you guys uh any of you know? I I'm just I'm legitimately asking, I don't know. Who would we take on in the first round if if we clinch? So um if we so right so the Phillies already clinched the top wild card spot. Mm-hmm. So uh if we get the second wild card spot, we're gonna be playing the Phillies. If we get the third spot, we play the Brewers. So then that's a whole nother conversation of which team would you rather play? So how does the D backs line up against the Phillies. They I mean the Phillies have a stacked lineup. I mean they have some big names. They have some firepower in that lineup where it's it's the bats that scare me with the Phillies, not so much the pitching. Then you turn it over, it's like a double-edged sword. Okay, would you rather deal with the explosive bats or would you rather deal with good pitching? So then you go over to the Brewers. The Brewers are the opposite of the Phillies. They have a good pitching rotation and I think we match up better with the Brewers, but then you sit here if we clinch right now, uh, say tonight or tomorrow, I mean, there's a chance we could get that third spot, but I don't know. I mean, it's again, it's professional sports. I mean, I, I, if we win tonight, they would probably pull Merrill Kelly. I mean, I would, I can't imagine you would roll Merrill Kelly out when. I mean, look up when the when the wild card series starts. It's next week. It's pretty quick. So then, yeah. if, if if Merrill goes uh, tomorrow or Sunday then he's going to miss that whole series or he's going to pitch the third game of that series if it comes to that. So if we have a chance to not pitch Merrill tomorrow, we're not going to. Yeah. And there's a chance if all the if all the, the cards fall the right way that we could be in that third spot and we could match up with the Brewers. But uh, either way, I mean, you, you, you get to the playoffs, you get to the postseason to play the best teams. So if it comes down to the Phillies, I mean, we matched up with them earlier in the season and it wasn't that pretty. Um, I, I know they they beat the hell out of Brandon Fott when he first uh, got his first couple starts, and um, like I said, I I a little scared to play the Phillies, but you know I'd, I'd take I'd take anything I'd take any wild card game, any playoff game right now. Yeah, honestly, just just making it there and being able to be a part of it, and it's not just a one game wild card anymore. I think it's a three Thank game God. series. Yeah, <laughs> thank goodness. So we'll at least have a fighting chance. If we can make it, and I do, I really have high hopes and belief that we will make it. Um, but man, how about the Phillies? They did really turn it on. They started the season without Bryce Harper, and then Trey Turner wasn't quite himself. Uh, some of the other pieces, it took them a while to get rolling, but they found themselves really finding their stride in the latter half of the season. And same with the Milwaukee Brewers, to be honest. Like Around the trade deadline, they were kind of barely scraping the, the one two spot in their division and now they have a good I think seven or eight game lead on the the Cincinnati Reds and and that's another team that is kind of scraping trying to get that that wild card spot it's just I don't think we've ever seen a wild card finish quite like this where it's literally coming down to the last couple days of the season and there's just a handful of teams really fighting and scraping trying to get in there um, it, it adds another whole layer to to all of it, and now we see here in the bottom of the eighth, Mike. There's two on, two out. Uh, Diamondbacks are trying to to have a comeback. They could take the lead with one swing of the bat here. Um, but I know we've already said selfishly we kind of want to see tomorrow in that game. But uh, like pitching pitching wise, like 
how do you feel about our chances in a potential playoff series with kind of our our revolving door in the pitching rotation, if you will? Like, are really our only I think three down pat guys right now are Gallon, Kelly, and Fott, and that's like like Cody was saying we come a long way from uh, not really liking Fott so much to now rooting for him and hoping he's that next guy up. Well, I think you should have confidence, especially the way that Brandon Fott has pitched the past month and a half. You know, ever since his second call up, he's really put the pedal to the metal and showed that he's ready to be a big league pitcher. I mean, he's still a young guy and still working some kinks out, but he's had some solid outings. You know, the last time had five and two thirds against the Chicago White Sox. Yes, it was the White Sox, but you play who you play and you got to pitch consistently. And that's what he's done over his last six starts. And then you talk about the top of our rotation with Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly. I mean, guys, correct me if I'm wrong. I think when you look at it, yes, Zach Gallen has a better record with 17 and 8. But hasn't Merrill Kelly been more of a consistent pitcher this season, it seems like? He's had his ups and downs, but I'd say over the past two months, Zach Gallen is still trying to kind of figure it out. But if you have those top three guys going in a three-game series, I still like your chances. Anything goes at that point. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. But the the Gallon Kelly comparison. I mean, I mean, you got to remember how Gallon started this season. I mean, it wasn't until the last month and a half where he wasn't a front run, front runner to win the Cy Young, and he's just struggled. His last start was good, but I mean. Think about the three the three starts before the last one. Within his last four starts, I mean he's he's been a little shaky. So, and then you got to remember, Merrill Kelly's been uh, he was dealing with those cramps. You know, he would get to the fifth, the sixth inning, and he would just start cramping up. Where after the game, he talked where he couldn't even couldn't even open his hand. He was cramping so hard, and he had to exit all those games early. So you just got to hope that this guy is staying hydrated, eating some bananas, and. You know, uh, he's, 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 I'm not going to say he's old. He's, he's not. Cause I think, I think you're probably older than him, Mike. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but I mean, Gallon recently has, has been shaky. And then you talk about, so Gallon's pitching tonight and then look up when's, when's that next, uh, the next wild card game or excuse me, not next. Uh, when, when does it start? I think it starts this week, like Thursday or Friday of this coming week. That should be enough time for whoever needs to start to get enough rest, though, right? Even if Merrill Kelly pitches on tomorrow, yeah. if he has to go game two and it's Friday night, mm-hmm. that's enough rest. Yeah, but w- while you look that up... No, so it's the first game's on, on Tuesday. Oh, oh, Tuesday. Wow, so, even okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. so so it's on Tuesday. So we're, we're, we're starting off the series with probably Brandon Fott. Um, and then, I mean, it's... Okay, so we, we make it to the wild card. It, it, it's a win. It's a win in my book. Um, you had to start Gallon tonight. You have. I think you have. Oh, you abso- don't win. If mm-hmm. we don't win tonight, we have to start Kelly tomorrow. Absolutely, you, you got to get in because nothing's guaranteed right now. Yeah. And then there's a lot of people out there saying, "Well, you just roll the dice." I mean, you have a pretty good chance of making it no matter what. Do you want to sit Merrill, keep him to start the series, which would be great to start off with him, but. I, I don't know, man. It's we're we're gonna come into the the wild card series, and the the pitching is gonna be the the main focus. And we we're right now how it sits. I mean, our how it's lined up with our rotation. I mean, we we might have Gallon starting pretty quick. 
um, not, not having his full rest, and then Kelly coming up if he starts tomorrow, pitching that third game if necessary. But then you think about the rest of the rotation, and we're, we already talked about Gallon being shaky. Kelly's cramping up. So if these guys can't figure it out here and show up, it's going to be a tough role for us. I mean, we just uh, we just DFA'd Zach Davies, and right now we don't have a clear-cut fifth starter in that rotation. So once we hit the, if we even get the chance, which is, uh, we're going to take it one step at a time. Even if we get the chance to get to a, a seven-game series, I mean, this it's going to be a tough battle for them. Whoever they match up with, they're going to be matching up with the best teams in baseball. And we're, we're going to get pitched out of every single game. I mean, you get rid of Zach Davies, and you think about the last five games that Zach Davies started, we won that game, okay? His 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 last four, he only pitched three or four innings, and he got absolutely shelled. And the only reason we won those games is because we had that bat support. We came out, and we scored several runs, and we won. If you go and look back, I mean, we won one of them 12-4. to four, Another one, we scored like 15 runs. So what we're going to rely on if we have any chance in the playoffs is those bats need to be alive and they need to be coming and we need to be aggressive on the base base pass and we need to be scoring runs or we have absolutely no chance. doesn't matter who we play, Phillies or Brewers, we have no chance because we are talking about two shaky starters as in, in our 1-2 and Gallon and Kelly after what we've seen the past month. And if we don't get the bats alive and rely on our offense, I mean, it, it's going to be tough sledding for us. Yeah, yeah, the the pitching has definitely been under a microscope, but you're absolutely right. It's going to come down to the bats because those are what was carrying us early in this season and got us to the success and to the point where we thought we could be a playoff team and be in this conversation. And now we find ourselves here and the bats are just still not consistent. We can criticize the pitching rotation and the support all we want, but the bats are what's really going to win us games because even a couple you know, weeks or a month or so ago when Brandon Fott went out there and had an incredible start, the bats didn't do anything to help him out. And same in this game. We're looking at 2-0 in the ninth inning. The Diamondbacks haven't put up a single run. Yeah, they've gotten some hits. They've gotten some runners to third, but they haven't been able to bring any of those runs across. And that's what is really making the difference. I mean, I, I hate to sound stupid because that's obviously the point of the game and how you win is by getting runs across the plate. But if you can't do that, uh, it really takes away from any anything that the the pitcher is doing on the other side of the ball. Uh, I just, I, I don't want to be pessimistic and, and turn this whole train of optimism around here, Mike, but there's a very real possibility that we get swept by the Astros and we don't make the playoffs. Is the season still a success if we don't make the playoffs? You know, we've had these conversations before and I'm a big proponent about the expectations have to change as a season moves on, right? We start this season and we say, what's going to be a success if we go over 500? Okay, we beat that. But when you're talking about a team that was in first place for at least a month, maybe over a month, uh, granted it was early in the season, but showed a lot of promise. Zach Gallen was an early Cy Young favorite. And then you have a tumultuous July, but then course correct and find yourself with a possibility to win and it comes down to a magic number of one. If you can't scrape out one win against the Houston Astros, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a failure, right? You're taking the right steps as an organization to move forward. You're excited about the possibilities. Corbin Carroll continuing to show that he's an all-star, all-stud. A historic rookie year. Giving Jordan Lawler a 
full season opportunity to find his way in our system, moving pieces around, maybe gaining more pitching capital. If Tommy Pham really is a guy and you want to see if you can get rid of Jake McCarthy for some more added pitching. The other thing we have to remember too is like like these past three weeks are one of our biggest question marks this whole season was the bullpen as well. And they haven't been the problem. So that's why you look at it as like, well, we know what our starting pitchers, the the top three guys, they have been shaky, but I I like our chances in a three game series to start to see if you can actually get into the full dance, right? But this is a great question for you guys too. You remember the days in the past where once it became playoffs, guys are pitching on short rest. Like Randy Johnson's pitching game one, game four, and game seven. Is that just completely out the window nowadays? Like guys aren't okay with pitching on short rest because it is the playoffs, because it is time to win? Is that where we've gotten in baseball? No, it's not. It's it's still like that. I mean, because you're talking about Randy Johnson. That was, what, in the World Series? Yeah. So, I mean, well, that, that was that whole playoff series. Him and Kurt Schilling were always were pitching always, on short yeah. rest. It was 1 4, 2 5. They got at least two starts within a seven game series. And if you don't have a solidified fifth game starter, why are you going to uh, roll out a bullpen game with Bryce Jarvis? You're, why aren't you going to start Zach Gallon in game four? You're, you're definitely going to. I mean, you would hope that we're going to. But then you got to think about. I mean, are, are these guys gassed? I mean, like I already already talked about Merrill, Merrill Kelly and his cramping. I mean, imagine this dude going out pitching every four days, pitching uh trying to get us through seven innings. I mean, it's 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 gonna be tough for them. But but you're right. I I think they're gonna have to do that because. And you mentioned the bullpen. It's crazy how it's just totally flipped. At the beginning of the year, we're like, oh, our starting pitching's decent. We have two aces, and our bullpen just pisses away every every lead that we have every single game. And it's it's kind of flipped a little bit where now we're kind of worried about the starting pitching. But, I mean, you're right, Mike. I, I'd, I'd like to see – I mean, I'm, I'm totally in it. It's, we're going we're gonna to make it. I mean, like I said, they were giving us a 97-point-something percent chance to make the wild card. Uh, those, are, those are some good odds. You know I'm a betting man, so I'm, I'm going to be betting on those odds right there. So um, I, don't see, I, I don't see a day where we don't make it. Um, and then – Back to your main question, Chris. I already touched on it. It's a total failure if we don't make it. And so you're with Mike, okay? Yeah, it's a total. It's a total failure. You I have mean, to change expectations, man. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. your ex, your expectations, like you said, it changed how this year was the tra- the trajectory that you're on. It has to change your expectations because you can't sit there. I mean, we were 15, 16 games above 500 at one point. And we were just rolling. We were blowing people out. People would go up by two runs. We'd, we'd clap back, tie the game, or we'd, we'd be up by one. I mean, we were the answer backs for a reason. And I, it, it would just be a, a total failure. And it would just be it'd be horrible to see us not make it. I mean, obviously, obviously we're talking about um, major league, uh, the Major League Baseball is probably loving this, this fight of all these terrible teams. And I call them terrible. All these... 500 or a couple over 500 teams fighting for these last wild card spots these because of that extended playoff but i don't think we really have a chance once we get in but it'd be incredible to see us play some meaningful baseball in the month of october yeah the the whole season success comes from a postseason birth whatever happens after that we live with that and we move forward and we're excited about where we are as arizona diamondbacks fans right but to go back to your last point chris could we get swept by the Astros? 
anything is possible, but you also have to look at the standings for them in the AL. Seattle is up eight to nothing against the Rangers right now in the bottom of the fifth. If Seattle wins and Houston wins, there's still only a game up for that last wild card spot in the AL. So Houston is not going to make this easy for the Diamondbacks because they have the same fight on their hands right now. So it's they're not going to lie down. You know, the the way that we were talking about if we were to win tonight, do you pitch Merrill Kelly tomorrow? That's a lay down move because you're playing for the next step, right? Houston is going to have to fight until through this entire series to make sure that they're solidified to even get to that final spot. Whereas at least right now we have some wiggle room with this number two spot. So this is going to be a tough one, man. And right now it looks like there's one out. We got one on in the bottom of the ninth. Let's see if there's some magic here. Yeah, I mean, and Loris Gardiel here is at the plate with with one out, and he's swinging for the fences. He took a big whiff at a ball that was low. Um, there's a guy on first, so I can tell he he wants to hit him with the equalizer here, and and really get it going. But yeah, I I think I think you're right. That's I didn't know that about the, and I maybe I should be more uh, in tune with it, but I didn't know the Astros were also in a fight for their wild card spot also. So that that's an extra added layer of the competition here. So it's already like a playoff atmosphere. I mean, I haven't, I don't think I've watched a Diamondbacks game more intently in, in this season than I have right now. And I've, I've watched, I've watched a fair amount of my Diamondbacks games, but yeah, that's the beautiful thing about baseball though. Tallman is cause I, I tend to kind of agree with you in the fact that I don't have the highest hopes for the Diamondbacks if they, and when they make it to the postseason. how long of a, how deep of a run they're going to be able to make. Will they be able to get out of the wild card? If they do that, how competitive would they be in the next series? But going back to what I was saying, that's the beautiful thing about baseball is because your team can get hot at the right time. And like it kind of has ebbed and flowed for us throughout the whole season. All it takes is us hitting one of those hot streaks, one of those up upward swings. And before you know it, we are, we are beating teams that we shouldn't be beating. And you can ride that wave a pretty long way, especially in the postseason. I mean, you were even saying, I don't remember if it was on the mic or not, but if the Kansas City Royals can world, win a World Series, <laughs> why, why not us? I mean, that's the biggest question, right? Why not us? No, you're right. And that's that's just the, the nature of baseball. I mean, it's people don't understand how much of a mental game it is. And when your team's hot, I mean, your team's hot. And then you, you, you think about... Um, shit, I totally, I just watched him whiff on that and I totally lost my train of thought. Yeah, Gurriel struck out, so there's two <laughs> outs and, uh, yeah, it's looking, it's looking bleak. Um, but you were, you were saying about, uh, just having like yeah. anything could happen with no, baseball. No, I right? got it. So, yeah, so and the one thing that the, the D-backs got going for them, I mean, we don't, we don't hit a, a lot of home runs. Like we, that's not, that's not who we are as a team. You know, we're that scrappy team. We're the... We're the team that's going to pull a double steal and make you throw the the baseball around the the diamond like, like you're in a like you're in fifth grade in little league like <laughs> what we did to the Giants right and we totally just pissed on their any aspirations that they had to make any type of wild card run. So that's the thing about the Diamondbacks is if we get hot at the right time, we're going to be that team that nobody wants to play, right? Because we are we have speed in our team, and we can drop a, a five run ending on you out of nowhere and you're like holy shit how, what you know what <laughs> happened there you know with with McCarthy and Thomas and uh and Carroll I mean the speed is just real and then we've had some timely hitting as well I mean talk about 
some of the stuff seems like every time fam gets a hit it's in the most crucial time of the game so it's we're that if we can get hot if we can find some lightning in a bottle here going into the wild card if we can get some quality starts out of kelly and uh out of gallon and see if fought can shine on the brightest stage or on the biggest stage he's ever been on i mean we could surprise some people you know we, we could like i said we're, we're gonna be that team that no one wants to play we, we really are because we can we can score we can we can tack on runs you know it's like it, it's almost like it's contagious with us you know we, we can go no runs for five innings and in the sixth inning we score six runs it's just like it's that's kind of how this team is it's it's just contagious and everyone just feeds off each other and it's crazy the the camaraderie in that locker in that uh in that uh clubhouse in the clubhouse that's kind of called a locker room <laughs> the Jesus. camaraderie in the clubhouse yeah i mean it, it's real i mean these guys i mean you think about a lot of young guys here oh my god get out get out oh, oh he my died god. oh he died right there oh my goodness i'm so did we get one across we did okay oh, wow wow all right so um gabriel moreno with a man two that... out double that scored the runner from first the outfielder oh. almost broke his neck trying to go up and get that one. <laughs> How did that not get out of the ballpark? Oh my god! Absolutely incredible. Uh, we're gonna no, Talman. What you were saying though, it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens here, and believe that we are gonna keep tabs on that. Like I said, hopefully, if if we can win and make the playoffs, we'll do. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it actually. We're gonna do game by game recaps of the Diamondbacks postseason. And we also have the Diamondbacks bi-weekly recap coming up this Wednesday. And it'll be kind of like a year-end kind of recap. We didn't do one this last week. So we're going on three weeks instead of two. Don't don't judge us. Don't judge us, guys. Come on. But we got, we got plenty more to talk about, fellas. And before we get into that, I think we got to just mention that the final score of the Diamondbacks game, 2-1. to one, uh, When you're listening to this, you probably already know that. But we... Uh, we uh, witnessed it live while we record this podcast. Uh, made it exciting there in the bottom of the ninth. We're able to get a run across. Uh, Cody's favorite Diamondback, Jace Peterson, just not able to get it done. Uh, but that's okay because, uh, as Michael Benjamin said, we're going to be able to see them jump in the pool tomorrow. Uh, but, fellas, there's, I think, one last Valley Sports team we need to talk about before we conclude this September recording of the Heat Check podcast, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. We saved the best for last, boys. They were able to get a win over the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, what was the final score there? 20... 28. 28-16? There it is. That is right. A 12-point double-digit victory at State Farm Stadium. So that was huge. Uh, we've kind of struggled to perform there in recent months, uh, but now we have the San Francisco Giants coming up this week. Brock Part, Brock Party. You said San Francisco. Party Darty. San Francisco Giants. San Francisco Forty Niners. <laughs> you Excuse all me. knew what he meant. Yeah. It's all the same. Um, but no, Brock Purdy is picked up right where he left off last year, and he's just been an absolute stud. Shout out to the hometown boy. Tallman and I met the dude uh, out in the wild, and he's a good guy. Uh, was able to, uh, not able to, but willing to step aside and take a picture with us. So it's, it's i not saying I'm rooting for the Niners, guys, because clearly I would much rather the Cardinals win. But uh, Brock Purdy, good guy, uh, makes it hard to hate the Niners. Um Kind of feel uh, that way about Christian McCaffrey too. Like, how do you? How could you hate Christian McCaffrey? Hate him. You hate him. Uh, hate, easy. Hate, 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 well, hate, hate, not hate, to derail hate, the conversation, but uh, again, like another, like I should hate all LA teams without any type of reservation. But 
What I, about San Francisco? San Francisco? Not as much hate. Like, because <laughs> I, I was thinking, the guy I was thinking about was uh, Freddie Freeman on the oh, Dodgers, right? Yeah. Like, how do you hate Freddie yeah, Freeman? It's hard hate to hate Freeman. <laughs> Mike just hate, 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 hate. Mike's the true, the true blooded Valley sports fan. Um, no, I'm not. That's the thing, though. I'm saying I'm never, I'm never gonna root for the Dodgers. Never gonna root for the 49ers. But like player wise, like I don't mind seeing Purdy have success. I don't mind seeing Freddie Freeman have success. I just hope that the Diamondbacks have more success and that the Cardinals have more success. Um, and that that derailed the whole conversation. But basically, what I wanted to to bring you in here on Tallman and give you the floor first is we beat the Cowboys, huge underdogs in that one. Now again, massive underdogs against the 49ers in an away game. Uh, do you think we have a chance to get the upset again in this one? Uh, man, that is a loaded question. Um, starting with the Cowboys, I mean, we we shocked the world. I mean, we. We are no longer look at some power rankings. We are no longer even close to being the worst team in the NFL right now. I mean, there's there's three or four teams that are zero and three, so we are we are exceeding expectations right now, uh, which is which is great. And and that's not even thinking about how we could have won week one, and we were up twenty zip at halftime in week two. So we could easily be talking about a three and zero football team. But talking about the Cowboys here, yeah, we were heavy underdogs going into that game but one thing that the cowboys did was they they thought that we were just going to be a small tiny rock that they had to just step over in the game right they came out they were not prepared and they really fell into what you would call a trap game so the cardinals were a trap for them they came out they thought that they could just cruise to a w and the cardinals came out and they smacked them right in the mouth and Looking at coming up with the 49ers, I don't think we're going to have that same the, the, the same uh, ability to come out and surprise somebody. I mean, you heard earlier in the week, uh, Kyle Shanahan was talking about the Cardinals, and he actually called them a team that should be 3-0. and So he's not going to be surprised at anything that we do. Um, and we're not going to catch another another team in an underdog matchup. We're not going to catch some uh, another team um that's not prepared for what we're going to try to do. So um, do we have a chance to pull up the, ups- the upset? No, I'm, I'm going to say no. I'm, I'm going um, to be a little mean right now. And just like I did the entire week going into the Cowboys game, um, I didn't think we had a chance to win that game. Um, but with the 49ers, I think the 49ers are uh, a better team. I think they're the best team in the NFC right now. Um, because the Eagles just haven't really clicked into gear yet. So the 49ers right now are easily the best team in the NFC. Um, but the key is going to be, can we run the ball on them? Um, that's kind of what we did to Dallas. If you remember, um, James Conner had a day. So can James, James Conner have another day against the 49ers? It's going to be a tougher task, but I don't, I don't think we have a chance to win this game. But we could have a chance to keep it close and maybe even cover the, split, the spread because we're 3-0 and on the spread right now this year. There he is. Minus 14 right now on a lot of betting sites. Sprinkle that money line. But I would not be surprised to see the Arizona Cardinals lose this game by 10 points. When we're talking about the San Francisco 49ers, it's a different animal than the Dallas Cowboys right now. Yeah. I can't believe what Brock Purdy has been able to do after that UCL injury and step back in to start this season and just be an absolute animal, man. Already four touchdowns on the season. The guy I hate, Christian McCaffrey, number one <laughs> running back in the league right now. B. 
behind that offensive line. Uh, 353 yards for three touchdowns. You know, looking at the injury list right now, Debo is still listed as questionable, but Ayuk was cleared. And now we got some new guys on the Cardinals. Paris Johnson Jr. and Hollywood Brown both got the questionable tag. I think Hollywood's going to be one of those guys who is just continuously getting that. Kind of same with James Conner. Uh, but Paris Johnson is new, and he's been a superstar to start for you know his tenure with the Arizona Cardinals at that left tackle position. Man, I'm super excited to see where he goes. So, like we've already said, this season is all about competing, putting your best foot forward, and making sure that you continue to bring all of that energy to fight within these games. But then you're going to find yourself fighting against some juggernauts where you just don't have the pieces to really compete properly. You know, I don't know what happens the next time that we face the 49ers. Is Kyler Murray back by that time? Probably. What is this offense looking like at that point? Maybe then I'm saying within under a touchdown. But we still have to remember Josh Dobbs is still uh, a month and a week here in Arizona. Right, yeah. Even though he's continued to progress every week, I love it. And Chris, you were saying earlier, 72% completions. I'm also super excited to see the number one uh, receiving guy for the Arizona Cardinals, Michael Wilson, step out there and <laughs> have another Tallman favorite. Another Tallman favorite. Another opportunity to continue a, a nice start to his career, even though he only has seven catches. Big 69 yard catch last week, which really helped cement that game away. But I'm just been very, very happy with what I've seen to start this season because they're doing everything that we've asked for, right? There's so many different pieces at play for the future for the Arizona Cardinals where we know it's not win right now. So when you lose some of these games, these tough games, like a, a lose a, a fourth quarter game to the Washington Commanders where Josh Dobbs fumbles again, where you hate to see collapses like you do against the New York Giants, but that's what's going to happen for teams like us right now. So you just have to steady the course and ride the waves and enjoy these huge wins against America's team, mm-hmm. quotation marks, right? <laughs> But this matchup against the San Francisco 49ers, especially going to Santa Clara, is going to be a real tough task early in this season. And like I said, I'm still going to sprinkle that money line because we might get lucky and only lose by 10. Should be an easy one, right? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) the way we played against the Cowboys. But like I said, we're we're not going to be surprising anybody. And I I just don't think the talent's there. has it been an incredible surprise here? Um, I saw something they're doing power rankings, like I mentioned, and you guys know who Mike Florio is, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he was very critical on, uh, JG and them going to that statue unveiling for Kyler, um, when it was, you know, the weekend before the draft. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So he was doing a power ranking and he came out and he said, and he gave them a, he gave him a good, a decent ranking, but he said, imagine if they tried to win in the off season. Imagine if they prepared for this season like they wanted to win. I mean, because we've just exceeded every single expectation. And then you you look at our defense and what we did to the Cowboys. I mean, the pressure was real. I mean, red zone defense was incredible, holding them to all those field goals and, and not just bleeding points like we expected them to do. And 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 even against the Cowboys, that was without Buda Baker. That was without our best 
arguably our best player on that side of the football where now it just seems like there's just so much speed and everyone's just everyone's just putting it out on the line and that started with uh with the commanders game where we saw the kaiser white the you know you could say it was a dirty hit on sam howell on on the out where he just absolutely laid him out and then you saw jalen thompson that same drive do another aggressive hit i mean this defense has just been just jumping towards the ball they've been all over the field and they've been getting pressuring the quarterback and we've i mean it's it's just been shocking to me, but just, I mean, that just stuck with me. Imagine if we actually kept some of our pieces, we actually spent some money and we actually tried to win right now. I mean, we could be three, and zero. it's, it's a great, it's a great question. And I really like a lot of what you guys are bringing up here. And I think anyone watching this team is impressed and really happy with what they're seeing. This is exactly what we were asking is have a serious football team that looks organized, that looks well put together, where the play calling is decent. And if the talent just isn't there at the end of the day, like that's fine for this season, for this season, because it takes time to build culture, right, Mike? I mean... When you're talking about this team, it's brand new to them. Jonathan Gannon's coming in, Monty Austin for, yeah, you still have Bidwell up top, but these guys at the coaching level and, and the staffing positions when it comes to Nick Rallis and Drew Petzing, like, that's a whole culture shift for these guys. It's a whole new coaching staff entirely. And we've even heard and talked about early reports where they were saying, like, the strict nature of it and the actually having expectations and uh, consequences for for certain things where they they weren't haven't necessarily been there during the Cliff Kingsbury Steve Kime era. It seems like a lot of that was kind of like uh, wild wild west, like fast and loose. Uh, Cliff wanted to be a players coach, and I think there's a lot to say for that. But it's it's come you can be a players coach when you're winning, but if you're not finding that success, you need to be able to you know tighten the ship up and and get everyone back on board and. I just think that the culture they're building this year is exactly what I want to see, and and the wins will come. I don't necessarily care if they even get five wins this season, but it's all about what are they going to do in this offseason with all these draft picks they have. Are they going to move up or down? Are they going to trade for a piece? Are they going to make a splash free agency signing? I don't even have a a list of who's potentially a free agent this offseason, but it's. I don't care. At this point, now that I know I was I was highly critical guys I was right there with you Tallman and what whatever Mike Florio or whoever saying is like what if they did more in the offseason and they kept saying like oh we're doing a lot we're putting together a team and we're trying to be competitive and just all the signings were a bunch of no-name guys who are almost they're on the fringe of being out of the league um, but now here they are putting it together and being competitive in these games and so I know it's a short sample size with just three weeks in the book, so I, you know, I don't, I could end up eating those words even, but I, I am, I've been impressed so far. When it's all said and done, I mean, when you guys go to the grocery store, don't you have to clean out the fridge with all of the dirty and <laughs> and expired things uh-huh. to make sure that everything is fresh? That's what the Arizona Cardinals did this off season, right? <laughs> You know, those are some of those other things, man. Just to be a fly on the wall with some of the conversations that this front office, this brand new GM and, and these guys that had the ability to sign these players, what were the what were the conversations that they might have had with a Zach Allen? What were the conversations that they might have had with a Byron Murphy? Were those guys ready to change what they had seen for the past three seasons and buy into a new system? 
or go somewhere where they might get paid a little bit more or to somewhere that has had a little bit more success than the Cardinals have had over the past three seasons. I mean, if you look at both of those guys, the Denver Broncos have been struggling for a couple of seasons as well. We know they just got dropped a 70 bomb on by the Miami Dolphins and the Minnesota Vikings are 0-3. And either than the Vikings going to the playoffs last year, are those really better fits or better situations than what has happened with the Arizona Cardinals as far as on-field success? You're talking about a team that is just two seasons removed from going to the playoffs for the first time since 2015, right? There's just some guys just aren't ready to change within the same thing that they've seen and they need a fresh start we can go back to deandre right we've had this whole brand new regime change from the owner to the coach and he wasn't he he might not have been ready to move the needle and change with us here and he needed that fresh start right but uh, we're headed in the right direction, right? I, I love it, Chris. I think our number one TikTok is you talking about uh, JG and his shots <laughs> and his explosions yep, with, yep. with uh, with Rondell Moore. And a lot of the consensus at the same time was because he's a different type of character was the same thing. It was, oh, no. What are we getting ourselves into? But we know that he was a successful defensive coordinator with the Philadelphia Eagles who led them to a Super Bowl. He's brought his own guys in with him, with the the young gun, Nick Rallis, and our new offensive coordinator, who had a hand-in-hand with the guy that they brought in, Josh Dobbs and Drew Petzing. They're trying to set their best foot forward with what they know and put these new guys into success, right? But, man, at the same time, yeah, you're talking about a whole new defensive scheme, a whole brand new offensive sets, brand new playbook overall. To be competitive the way that they have within these first three weeks has been impressive, even though they're not over 500 in wins. So if they can keep up this momentum, and we haven't even talked about Kyler Murray possibly coming back earlier than we thought when we were talking about week 11, week 12. The guy wants to go now. We could see him within the next two to three weeks. And what does that change for the rest of the season for the Arizona Cardinals, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I we were sitting here making jokes about tank season and getting the the high draft pick, but even C.J. Stroud and the Texans are kind of looking like they're going to fight and try and win games too. So with these other teams that are 0-3 and, again, short sample size, but it seems like it's trending towards us not necessarily being the very worst team in the NFL and not finishing with it's the Chicago Bears. With the worst. <laughs> it, it, very, very much looking like it could be the Chicago Bears. But Tallman, like, do you think that changes the conversation on when they bring back Kyler Murray and really get him ready to go back with this offense? So you're saying if, if we keep... If we keep winning and we keep going on an uphill trajectory, do you think – is that what you're asking? Yeah, basically. Like, yeah, if we continue to be competitive in games and have a chance to win them, do you bring back Kyler Murray um, as soon as he's ready to go, basically? Yeah, I, I don't even think that has that much to do with it. I, I, I don't think they're holding Kyler back um, because if I'm Kyler, you're not holding me back whether we're 0-3 or 3-0. and you know, if I'm ready to go after this week, or uh, you know, because he's on he's on the pup, so yeah, he could, so he could be, he could be week five, exactly, right? yeah. yeah. So say even if they're zero and four, 
week five, if I'm ready to go, if I'm ready to roll, I'm Kyler, dude, I'm, I'm getting back out there. I'm practicing. I want to start because I mean, there's a whole couple different ways to look at it. And I'm not saying, well, maybe now I'm not saying he's playing for his job, but you know, he's got to think, Hey, you know, whole new, whole new, uh, coaching staff in here, new GM, you know, I got to go in there and I got to show him what I can do. I got to show him that I can be productive and he's sitting there on the sideline watching uh, none other than Joshua Dobbs get better and better every single week. So uh, I don't think the winning, I think regardless, if even if we're losing in our, and we're losing our ass, I think he's going to be out there because he's a competitor and he knows that it, it, it's the NFL. It's not for long. It's, it's a business. So he needs to go out there and he needs to establish that, hey, I was the number one overall pick for a reason. This is my team. And he's got to be chomping at the bit to get back out there, right? I mean, I, <laughs> so. I, think, I think Kyler wants to be out there week five. I think he's ready to go. Um, they keep talking about, like, the physical versus mental aspect of it. And so physically, I mean, from everything we've seen and all the workout videos and on the field stuff, Kyler is ready to go physically. Um, but mentally, like, are, is he ready to do what they're expecting him to do? And I think I think he probably is, guys. And Mike, like, we're talking about one Joshua Dobbs, and we're also talking about Kyler Murray. Well, first of all, let's pump the brakes. Okay? No, pump the. Let's brakes. pump the brakes. The if a... we're talking about Joshua Dobbs, it's his seventh year in the league already, right? So what? He's no spring chicken. You know, he's <sighs> an astronaut. No, he's an astrophysicist. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but like Tomlin already said, he's chomping at the bit to get Got back all of them in on. There. The field for the Arizona Cardinals. Had to hit you with three of them. Damn it, Tolman, you jumped on. I'm sorry. You jumped on it too early, but (laughs) but that's all right. I I don't think it's a question of whenever Kyler Murray is ready to go and the front office and, you know, the training staff, he's cleared by medical. He's had some practice time. He's obviously been studying the playbook and is going to be ready to go out there with with his guys. You give him the reins and you let it go and you see – what's going to happen from there because yeah you know one thing we do know guys is that Caleb Williams he really wants to come to the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> if we have the first overall pick but we might not even have the first well pick. that's what it and, and we've like never now, had that right? discussion yet we've always sat here coming into the season talking about oh well we're given so yeah it's going to be us or it's going to be the Texans but I mean Chris already mentioned CJ Stroud is he's taking some strides not Stroud, Strides. So he's, I mean, we might not even have the first overall pick. We might not even have a top three pick. And then whoever gets that top, that first overall pick, I mean, we already talked, there's four teams that are 0-3 right now. Granted, we could have just an utter, just disgusting collapse. It's totally possible. We could sit here like, oh my God, look at the Cardinals. And then we could totally, we could rip off a 10-game losing streak. It is totally possible. I mean, our our schedule doesn't get that much easier, so I, I I don't know. I mean, I take it away from me. Go. No, you're right on the money, right? But Joshua Dobbs, I've loved what he's done in his time, in his very short time with the Arizona Cardinals. But we also know what he is, and we also know what we have and what we should have: a starting quarterback in Kyler Murray. I would love to have Joshua Dobbs as a, a backup for the next couple of seasons if he continues to prove his worth, you know, within the next couple of games. 
but you have to find out what you have in Kyler Murray because next year it's I, I love it man this is the callback pod because it's like if you don't have what you need within Kyler Murray aka DeAndre Ayton you need to start looking forward to move the pieces for capital to improve your team and good thing that sorry Mike Florio the Arizona Cardinals weren't asleep at the wheel when they were working during draft day, and they've set themselves up, up for success with the amount of draft picks that they have for next year. You can make a huge turnaround really quickly, and if Kyler Murray isn't the answer, you can use some of that capital to possibly get your future starting quarterback. Whether it be a rookie, whether you move up, or whether it be a veteran who is looking for a place next year. Right, It's get him in, see what he can do on the field, especially after that ACL injury. I don't care how early he might come back from when he should have come from. You know what, What's the normal time frame? 10 to 12 months for an ACL, depending on Something how severe like the tear is. Or nine, yeah. But if the guy's ready to go, you give him the reins and you see what he can do. Because Josh Dobbs has set such a great example for what you do when you set within a new system. Within three weeks, you continue to progress, you don't turn the football over, you get wins, and you move forward. And Kyler Murray is going to have to prove that now, which is a beautiful thing if you're the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, that's a great point. And then teams can find success with, I, I mean, guess for lack of a better word, a serviceable quarterback. Like You don't need necessarily that elite top-tier guy. You don't need the Patrick Mahomes um, or the Jalen Hurts. I mean, Jalen Hurts, I mean, is he even the greatest passer or is he just able to really. execute within is, having his mobility as well as so many weapons at his disposal? And that's where I think you, you bring up a great point, Mike, because we, we kind of do every team needs a quarterback of the future and a guy that's going to have a tenure there. Uh, but we're paying Kyler Murray a boatload of cash. And if we can get a quarterback to do what a Josh Dobbs is doing, um, and still be serviceable on the offensive side while saving all that capital to buff the defense, give the offense more weapons, build out a line a little more. Like when you can spread the love financially, like that can be beneficial to the team as a whole rather than investing so much in one position. Uh, it, w- it would suck to give up on Kyler though. I mean, it, I, I do want to see what you have in him. Like you're absolutely right as well, Mike. You, you have to give him the shot to show and prove that he's worth the money that we're paying him because if he's not like there might be a team out there that's willing to take that contract off our hands and then we can kind of see where we go from there um fellas i i feel like a whole can of worms we open there but i do want to close out with one uh, more topic related to the cardinals and that is surrounding buda baker who's currently on the injury reserve with a hammy um and i just saw some articles here this week uh tallman that they're looking at maybe some trade options and the rumblings are starting up again that that Buddha's days might be numbered uh wearing the the red on Sundays that would be that would be a blow i mean you got to think about what was the one good thing we got out of our last regi- regime it was Buddha Baker i mean he he's just been i mean going back to just the hard knocks i mean the guy is just He's what you want every football player on your team to be. And, I mean, the, the the saying was, what, if you can run out 11 Buda Bakers on defense, you're going to win every Sunday. It doesn't matter. So if if that happens, that's just, you know, that that would be that would be a hard pill to swallow. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, 
it's a business. No one's safe. And then we got to remember it's they're not they're not Gannon and Austin for he's not a Gannon and Austin for guy. So I mean I, I get it. Can you flip them for some more draft capital? Can you build out in the future and, and profit from him? You absolutely can because he's an incredible player. Um, it, it'd be hard to see him go. He's a fan favorite. I mean he's the leader of the defense. I mean he has been banged up. Um, and I I mean I I don't want to see him go. I mean I would love to keep him and because he would be an, an integral part to the next good Cardinals team. Um, but then if you're going to sit here and just sell all your good players, I mean, what, what does that say to your fan base? I mean, you already had that type of offseason where the national media is sitting there in the, the first going into the first week of the NFL season, you know, even the second week of the NFL season, the national media is still saying, oh, nice tank job. You know, look at the Cardinals. You know, and they're doing exactly what we wanted them <laughs> the to Giants do. The Giants game was a questionable Yeah, right, exactly. Situation. And just like we said, going in, be competitive but lose at the end of the game. And, you know, and, and we've obviously proved all those national people wrong. You know, all the talking heads are wrong that the Cardinals are not tanking. But, I mean, if, if you sit here and and you have all you have all these guys buying into this, buying into the same thing, you know, the, the Cannon, the Cannon, the Gannon culture is real. I mean, the guy is just, he's all business. Did you guys see he wouldn't even celebrate the Cowboys win? The dude was just on to the next one, on to the next one. He, you couldn't get any emotion out of him. So whatever he's got going on in there, these guys are buying into it. And if Buda Baker is not going to be a part of that, I mean, it's, it's just sad to see. So I, I wouldn't be a fan of it, but at the end of the day, I, I get it. It's a business, and if they can turn him into some quality pieces, if they go out and they trade him for a fifth, sixth-round pick, I will shit the bed right now. I will be very upset. But, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, they're going to – I mean, I trust Austin for it. After that draft, if he can, if he sees something and he can pull it, then then go for it, boy, you know? Man, I feel like it has to be that. I mean, not that. It, it, what I'm saying is – with Buda Baker, it ha- can't be to the point where the relationship is so soured and he's just not going to work with this new regime to where he just wants out of here and they're willing to give up j- him for just a fifth or sixth round pick because he's worth way more than that. So I think if some team isn't knocking on the door with some incredible offer that we're not even entertaining that and not even talking about it. Um, I, I have no reason to believe that he's not legitimately injured and that he would be playing if he were healthy because he's just... I mean, you would hope, right? You'd, you'd hope he's a pro's pro, but it's just like when you hear, when you see these reports, you hear these conversations being had, and then he's not actively on the roster, he's on the IR, um, makes you kind of wonder. Um, and I guess you're right, he's not an Austin Fort guy, he's not a Gannon guy, so if, it, if the relationship is to that point where he's just like, I'm done with the Arizona Cardinals, Byron Murphy style, get me out of here, then... So be it, I guess. And if we only get a fifth and sixth round pick, then then whatever. You want guys that are here and that are buying into what we're doing. And we're not winning a Super Bowl this year. We're pro- guys, we're probably not winning a Super Bowl next year. But what we're trying to do is be in the championship conversation in the next three to five years. I mean, if we're being realistic about it. And I think those are the moves. When you talk about moving on from a Buda Baker and moving on from a Kyler Murray, those are the, the decisions you have to make early. And you can't pussyfoot around to just win a couple games in a season where you're not having championship aspirations and especially when you have the fan base right now comfortable with that situation and that prospect it's it's even more the case where that that needs to happen and I think on top of it all when you see like you say 
Tallman, Gannon being like on to the next, taking it very serious. We're being competitive in every game. I think that's where, going back to what I said earlier, the culture starts to be built and we have actual optimism, genuine optimism for the long-term future of the Arizona Cardinals. I think for the first time in a long time, um, don't want to speak for you guys there, but we are, uh, we've been recording this podcast, guys. We're, we're sneaking up on another two-hour uh, pod, so I want to kind of wrap it up here, close it out. Um, Mike, I'll give you the floor first. Uh, anything else you want to uh, get off your chest or talk about uh, Valley Sports related or otherwise? The only thing I want to say is that I hope Pussyfoot Around becomes a Chris Patrickism <laughs> because ain't that the damn truth, brother. That's the damn truth. Super excited to see the Diamondbacks finish it off tomorrow, watch the boys jump in the pool. We're going to have another destination Tallman ticket, it sounds like. So make sure y'all are just staying tapped in. Cardinals, bring the energy in Santa Clara. DeAndre Eaton, best of luck in Portland, man. That's really all I can say at this point. And fellas, man, I love y'all. Appreciate y'all once again. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure, Michael Benjamin. VSP Tallman, the floor is yours. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, like Mike said, Tune in for some wet boys tomorrow if, uh, if you're into that. Um, but yeah, also, yeah, Tom Ticket looks like it's going down at Chase Field. Um, so tune in to lose some more money and if you're if you're a fucking idiot. Um, also, it's going to hit, man. It's going to hit. Well, we're behind. We're the Cardinals are beating me right now, so it's it's a little little. Uh, a little depressing right now in the Tallman Ticket Studio. If the ticket um, hits, Tallman will jump in the pool. Yeah, yeah, and get arrested in in the mean. Yeah, in the mean. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, um, we'd have to go back. It's a whole thing, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the only other thing I got to say is, uh, we we got our first home win and uh, for the Cardinals, first home win in what our last fourteen, fifteen home games. So that is that means so much to this fan base. It means so much for the people out there. Um, paying money to go go to these games, and if you're one of the people that did not sell your ticket for that Cowboys game, I am so jealous. I envy you, and I am very proud that you decided to stick with the big red. Thank you. I'm out. Hell yeah. Rise up, Red Sea. Very excited for the Diamondbacks game tomorrow. Hopefully we can uh, clinch that victory. Hopefully the Cardinals are competitive against the 49ers. Uh, Like Mike said, man, make sure you're keeping up with us and everything we're putting out. We'll have that recap up on Monday for the Cardinals. On Wednesday, we'll have a Diamondbacks recap for you. And we'll just keep uh, getting you more Valley Sports content. So uh, make sure you leave a comment, whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You know where to find us if you've uh, listened this far on the pod. But just in case you forgot, you can find us at AZ underscore VSP on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, now X, and on Facebook and YouTube at Valley Sports Plug. But I want to thank VSP Tallman and Michael Benjamin very much for making the trek out here to the studio. I'm Chris Patrick, and